This message you're about to listen to is brought to you by Schamburg Community Church. Listen and be blessed. Where are you from? Question number three. Where are you going? That's a question of destiny. Your destination. What do you see ahead of you? When they caught Samson back in the day, they didn't kill him. They didn't cut his eyes. The first thing they do is they plucked out his eyes. So he could no longer see anything. If you can't see, that's why the Bible says, my people perish. Because they can't see where they are going. Question number three, where are you going? You see, if you know who you are and where you are from, and you identify where you are going, that will help you to answer question number four, where am I now? What's your location? Question number four, where am I now? You see, in the journey of life, because life is a race. And the point where you are, you are the only one that can answer that question. I may look at you and think that you are a good person and you are in a good place, but you are the only one that knows where you are. People look at you and they think you've got it all made, but you know where the shoe is hurting you. Why are you where you are and where are you now? Are you at the place of ease? Or are you at the place of battle? Or are you at the place of preparation? Question number five is where you are now is where you are now. But what can you become where you are? What's your, what's your potential? What's your potential for where you are now? What could you be where you are now? You see, yes, you are daddy, and you are sitting down here now in a good spot. But what are the other things that you can be? Because it's one thing to see who you are and where you are, why are you where you are? Question number six. Question number six has to do with the other two of them that as you're going on along the journey of life, as you're going on along the journey of life, why are you at the point where you are? You see, what can you accomplish? If you don't know why you are here, then you will not be able to answer the question of what you're doing. And the final question, number seven, is how much time do you have left for your journey of life? You see, it's very pertinent because today we're talking about 2017 is gone, and it is. You see, after 2017 is gone, where do you go from here? It doesn't make a difference whether you're a teenager, or you're a young adult, or you're an old man, or you're just getting out of college. Every one of us will take an exam in life. Until you get into a test, you cannot get into a promotion. Hello? Hello? Until you take an exam, you don't get into the next class. When God is getting ready to move you or elevate you, he takes you through some challenges in life that when you come out on the other side, you say, I was victorious. And you don't know how much time you have left, just like any examiner when they're taking a test. The only time you know how much time you have left is when they tell you five minutes more. Or they tell you time up, pens up, pens down. I was watching a cooking competition. Very unlikely thing to be watching on Food Channel. And I stood there. And they were telling everybody to cook. And they gave them all sorts of ingredients. And they had 20 minutes to turn all the ingredients into something nice. They didn't tell them how much time they had left. Until they said five more minutes. And then the people who were not close then began to run. And when they said, time up, one of the contestants dropped everything he was doing. And it was, it was obvious he wasn't happy with himself. 
Needless to say, he didn't proceed beyond that. So help me ask your neighbor, how much time do you have left? Ask them, ask them, how much time do you have left? Did they answer you? Did they answer you? How do you know how much time you have left? That's in the hands of God. Methuselah, like I said, 969 years. He had children. John, John the Baptist, 30 years. No man born of a woman has ever been like him. Hebrews in chapter 12. Let's read verses 14 through 17. If you will, stand up on your feet with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. It says, pursue peace with all men. Let's go together. One, two, go. Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by these many become defiled. Verse 16, go along. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. In verse 17, what did he say? He said, for you know afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Read verse 17 again. He said, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Let me read that same verse for you. If you have the New Living Translation, for all of us that have our Bible apps, look at the New Living Translation in verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17, he said, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. He traded his birthright as the oldest son for a single meal. And afterward, in verse 17, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he wept bitter tears. Go ahead, take your seat this morning. Take your seat. I want to talk to you very briefly about a subject I've said is make up your mind. That's why we sang that song, I've got my mind made up. What have you got your mind made up about? Make up your mind. You see, I want to talk about inner convictions this morning. What is inside of you? What you see a person doing doesn't necessarily reflect of what their inner convictions are. Hello? In the book of John in chapter 5, when you read in chapter 5, verse 6 on, Jesus Christ got to that man that was by the pool of Bethesda. The man had been there for 38 years, the story said. And when Jesus Christ got there in verse 6 of John chapter 5, 
Jesus asked him a very interesting question. And he said, would you like to be healed? Would you like to be made whole? When you read the remaining part of that story, the man went on to explain to him and says, that's why I'm here. He said, but the problem is that before I jump in the pool, somebody else is jumping the pool ahead of me. And so I've been lying down here for 38 years without anyone to help me. Jesus Christ should know that, shouldn't he? He's God himself, so he should know the end from the beginning. He knows all things. And so he's asking this man who has been there for 38 years, are you ready to be healed? I would be like, um, excuse me. What do you think? I've been here 38 years, every morning, and I come here by myself, every day. My question for you today is, as you come to church, what are you expecting in this new year? You see, even though people come to church, and people come every day, is there not everyone that comes in here that is really expecting anything? It's not everyone that comes in here that is expecting anything. People pray and don't really believe in their prayers. People pray and are not expecting answers from their prayers. Whereas God is telling someone here today, whatever you ask, I will do for you. Let that person say amen. amen. I said, whatever you ask, I will do for you. Amen. Are you ready to be healed? Are you ready to be made whole? Are you ready for God to touch you? You see, it's interesting because many people are not ready to be healed. They built a life, a culture around that dysfunction. And so with the dysfunction that they have, they are happy with being sick. We've had the story told of the man who said he was sick. And they asked him, do you want to be treated? He said, no. He said, because while I'm here, I have everybody's attention. And because I have everybody's attention, if I am healed, then my wife will no longer cater to me. If I am healed, then my people will no longer run circles around me. Some people just do what they do because they want someone or something to blame for where they are. They say, the reason I behave like that is because that's the way I was raised. The reason I behave like that is because that's how I grew up. I want to talk to some people today. You have to make up your mind by yourself what you want to do. Do I hear amen? Two twins, two boys, born of the same father. Father was an alcoholic. One of them grew up as an alcoholic. And they asked him, why are you an alcoholic? He said, what do you expect? He said, I was raised by an alcoholic. Like father, that is the farthest thing from the truth. The twin had never drunk any alcohol in his life. And they asked him, why is it that you have never drunk any alcohol? And he said, because I was raised by an alcoholic. So that's the reason why I have not touched any alcohol. Some people have an excuse for their temper tantrums. What do you expect me to do? That's how my father behaved. Some people have an excuse for every form of dysfunction that they have. Today, I want to talk about this man Esau for a few minutes. Let me tell you a few things about Esau. Esau is not a popular story because we've forgotten who Esau was. Esau, in my mind, and in my opinion, is someone that I say was stuck on stupid. Esau was what? He was stuck on stupid. He had the blessing of God lined up for him. He was the firstborn child. He should have been the one that inherited twice of his father's inheritance. He should have been the one that was twice blessed over. 
When we are talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, it should never have been the God of Jacob. It should be, have been the God of Esau. But people give too much credit to that man Jacob. They say Jacob was a trickster. Yeah, maybe he had some tricks up his sleeves. But let me put this to you. If you drive in here in a nice Mercedes car and you roll along and I bring out my handkerchief and I said to you, let's exchange my handkerchief for your car and you agree to that kind of trade, what does that make you, please? Stupid. And I know that there's no stupid people inside here. So Esau traded all of his future, all of his inheritance, all the money that he could have had, all the progress and the promotion that he could have had because he was hungry. What kind of hunger was that? What kind of hunger was that? You see, if he had done, he would just have waited. Don't make permanent decisions based on where you are today. Because this is a good time for you to say, this too shall pass. Help me tap your neighbor, whatever you're going through. Tap them, tap them, tap them. Whatever you're going through, it will soon come to pass. Esau was stuck on stupid. And before we blame him too much, I want to say to you that every one of us here has made stupid mistakes before. If you have never made a stupid mistake, get ready. Because you will make a big one. The bigger the head, the bigger the headache, the taller you are, the bigger the fall. I know that I have made stupid mistakes before. I've shared the biggest stupid mistake that I have made with you before. Some point in time, I believe that in that university of stupid, I graduated summa cum laude with distinction and honors if there's anything that could have been like that. So if you have not made that kind of mistake, you will make something someday that so much so that I was appalled with myself as I was sitting down. How did you get to this? I ruined the business that I was running on a mistake that I should never have made on something that my wife told me don't do. And I know that I'm the only one, right? So you can pray for me. But there's people here who are sitting down here looking at me today. There's something that you know you shouldn't have done. And there's something that you could not have done. You could have escaped, but you did not escape from it. And you made that mistake. Today, I am praying for you that you will recover from the mistakes that you make. The Bible says that Esau went to look to his father. Put that scripture back up, verse 17. Diligently, he said he went to look. He cried, but the Bible says, Hebrews 12, 17, the Bible says there was no place for repentance. There was no way for him to get back to recover from it. I pray you will not make a mistake you can never recover from. Or oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said, I pray you will not make a mistake that you can recover from. You see, I've been stuck on this whole business about not giving up too early. Because I see people around me who are getting comfortable. And we're not yet there. Genesis in chapter 12, when you read from verse 1. The Bible says, God told Abraham, leave your country, leave your people, and leave your father's house and go to a place that I will show you. What many people don't realize is that Abraham was not the first person God told that. God actually told his father. But his father got to a point of comfort and settled there. You will not settle 
for the goodness of God. You will not stop short of the place God intended for you in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, Esau could not recover from the mistake. And many of us are like that. You keep on making the same mistake over and again. And then you wonder, why am I stuck on stupid? You desire to change, but it doesn't happen. Before you begin to wonder, Pastor, what are you talking about? Many, many young people I know, they keep on hanging out with the wrong person. And they go with the wrong person time and time again, even though the person's name changes. So it's John this time, but it's bad. Next time it's Ephraim, it's bad. Next time it's something else, it's bad. And you go from person to person, and you still make the same mistakes over and again. I pray you will not continue to make the same mistakes in the name of Jesus. There's a word in, in the Greek. It spells metanoia. M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. Metanoia. It just means a transformative change of heart that comes about with repentance. You see, there's a repentance that makes about a change of heart, and the change of heart takes you into the place that you want to go, and you recover in God. Esau went crying to God, but crying doesn't change God. Esau went weeping to God. I'm sorry, but that does not change God. Today, I want you to make a quality decision about what you want to do and how you're going to do it. Let me, let me explain this with a story. When an analogy, when you have a computer and you put on the computer, it has something called default settings. You know what I'm talking about. When you put on Microsoft Word, in my computer, the default setting is Tahoma 11. So when I begin to type, that's the font that comes out. You can change that font in that document that you're typing. And when you change it, everything that you type will change to whatever new setting you finish. But once you close that document and you reopen it again, it will go back to the default setting, true or false. Many of us are looking to God for a change. And every time you come in here, you make a slight change. You make a situational change. When you are near godly people, you change your ways. When you are near some people, you change. When you sing, you change. When you dance, you change. But once you go back and you step out, you go back to default settings. It is not the problem with the machine. It is the problem with the defaults. And until you change the defaults that are in your life, there are a number of things that you are going to struggle with. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can change your friends. You can change your clothes. You can change your circle. You can change the, the music that you listen to. You can change everything that you want. But until you change the default setting that is in your mind, nothing is going to change. There is nothing as powerful as a changed mind. That's why I said today, change your mind. You see, one thing, one thing that is bigger than a changed, than making that sort of a repentance is a decision. Emotions are not enough. Esau went with emotions, but that was not enough. You need to change your default settings and get a new normal in what you're doing today. Help me tap your neighbor and tell them you need a new default. I have a story to tell you. That young man that we call the prodigal son. The prodigal son just woke up one day, Luke chapter 5. He woke up one day and the Bible says he came to himself. 
And when he came to himself, he went in and he decided, I'm going to God. I don't care who you are, but there are some things that you have been struggling with this year that have followed you into church this morning that by the mercies of God, you will not take into 2018. Let me say that again. No matter how tall or short you are, how young or old, how successful or struggling, how where you are in life, there are some things that you are struggling with and you have been struggling with them for a long time until you change the default in your mind, until you change the settings that operate in your life, it will be almost impossible to get out of that loop. Out of that loop. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That prodigal boy, he did not change his clothes, otherwise the Bible would have told us. He did not change, nothing said he took a shower. He went home smelly like he was. He was eating the food of pigs. And he woke up one morning and he said, I'm going home. I said, I am better than this. I have changed my mind about all the things I'm doing. I am going to change. Listen, church, I'm not proud to say this. But some time ago, I used to smoke. I smoked a lot. Now, it may shock you that I smoke, but back in the day, it was socially acceptable to smoke. It was culturally acceptable. When you see movie stars who want to look cool in the movies, what did they do? They will light up a cigarette, and then they begin to smoke. I smoked at work. I smoked at home. I, I smoked in my car. The only place I didn't smoke was at home because my wife did not allow it. But one day, I just decided one day, I said, I'm done. And people talk about a chemical dependence. They say it's a chemical dependence that keeps people from smoking and they make you repeat smoking. I'm telling you, I made up my mind one day that I said I was done. And that day, I took the pack of cigarettes in my hand and I crushed it. And I said, this is it. Just like the prodigal, the disgrace, the embarrassment, the, the pain, nothing could hold him back. Because he had decided he was done. I want you to decide in your mind today what it is that you have been struggling with up till now that you need to leave behind in 2017. You see, it's not just talking about it, but you need to get past it by yourself. It is okay. Sometimes you will momentarily relapse and sometimes you will fall back into that, into that problem. There are moments in the old days when you look and said, I really can't do this. I've fallen back once or twice. I had a drink again. I laid down where I wasn't supposed to lay down. I touched what I wasn't supposed to touch. I slipped back. There's a difference. If a pig and a goat, they fall into mud. The mud is where the, the, the pig is presupposed to be. It's comfortable in the mud. When the pig gets into the mud, it will begin to roll around in the mud. But if the sheep falls into the mud, it automatically gets up and says, I don't belong here. I should not be here. And he begins to shake the mud off of himself. And until you get to that point in your mind where he says, I'm better than this. I can't keep doing this. You will get into the mud again and then you stand up by yourself and say, this is it. I'm going and I'm not coming back. In a book by Joyce Meyer, he said, the battlefield of the mind. Joyce Meyer said, and I agree with her, that all the trials and tragedies in life, they cannot keep you from the ultimate victory which you must have. She talked about the battles in her own marriage. 
in her family, in her ministry, and where she is up till now. And, but when you see Joyce Meyer, you think she got it all made. When you hear the story of Oprah Winfrey, she tells you about how she was multiple raped by her supposed father when she was wrong, when she was young. But that woman got up today and didn't say it was because of what it was that I was in the beginning. That's why I couldn't make anything of my life today. Whatever is in your past, I pray to remain in your past from today on in the name of Jesus. Whatever is terrorizing your life, whatever it is that has pushed you up till now, I pray that as we go into a new, a new dimension, the almighty God will help you. Unforgiveness. You can decide you want to forgive. Don't stay in the fact that, oh, I find it difficult. Don't joy in your infirmity. Anger is a family problem. No! You can decide that you want to do away with it. It's a function of you deciding. That's why we sang in the beginning, I have my mind made up. Is it ignorance that is your problem? Some people are, you are ignorant. Get an education. A young man was telling me here the other day, every time he speaks, the first thing that he says is, I only have a high school diploma. Maybe that's why. I only, so I, I said, young man, stop. If it's bothering you so much, go back to school. Whatever it is that has been terrorizing you up until now, I pray God will help you to get over it. If it is debt, decide for yourself today. I'm tearing up the credit cards and stop using them. It's a function of you deciding what it is that you're going to do. When you decide, I'm not using the credit card again, put it down. When you get the urge to buy, go back and look at the card and say, I've got my mind made up. I'm not using you. You have to decide for yourself. Some people, it is drinking. It's a private problem that you have. And you drink and nobody knows. Go and seek help in counseling. It's called Alcoholics Anonymous. They have secret clubs and they have things that they do. Some people, it's just jealousy. You can't see the next person doing well without comparing yourself to them. Why does he have something and I don't have? Why does he do this? Don't compare yourself with anybody again. Your race and my race are different. Only God can help you to finish. My time is spent. I want to stop this morning. You see, I want to stop by telling you that everything we have talked about is mind over matter. Is mind over what? There's a story of a young boy that I will tell you. He's, he was ticklish. And so his siblings used to terrorize him. And they will grab him and tickle, 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 tickle him. And he would laugh and laugh and laugh. But he could not help it. He would laugh up till the stage where he couldn't breathe. And he couldn't stop them because they were older than him. And they would keep on tickling him. So any time they wanted to get something from him, they would tickle him. This is in the book. You can read the book by yourself, Joyce Meyer. And the boy decided on one day, I'm not going to be ticklish again. He said, I've decided I'm not going to be ticklish again. So that when his siblings came and they began to tickle him, he told his mind that I'm not ticklish again. And so, instead of being ticklish, he began to think about the other things that he could have been doing. So when they tickled him and they didn't get the response, they put him on the floor, tickled his foot, they didn't get the response. The first time it happened, they said, oh, it just happened. The next time they put him again, they tickled him. By the third time, they gave up. And they knew that this man had stopped being ticklish. And he said that for another 50-something years, he was, not, he was no longer ticklish. Whatever you set your mind to do, 
The Almighty God can help you to finish it. So stop making excuses and dwelling in your infirmity and dwelling in the place of your dysfunction and you say, that is the way my parents raised me. Today, I want to stop here. I want to make a call to some people who you know you are struggling with something. This is not an altar call about coming to Christ. You see, if you repent, God will open and pour out a blessing window on your life. The altar is a place of change. It's a place where default settings are changed. It's a place where you attack the old settings and you put a new one in. It is where you get the power to change your mind. If you try and do it by yourself, how long have you done that and it didn't work? That's why you are with it here till today. There are saints that have sinners problem. Today, I don't care whether you're a minister or not. I don't care if you're in the choir. I don't care whether you have been born again for 20 years. Today, something is going off in your head. And I can hear it in my mind. That if you can change direction, God will help you. The only way to make that kind of a change is with the help of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want you to come from wherever you are. I want, to, I want us to join hands together. If you don't have a problem we are struggling with, anger, death crisis, you just must buy anything that you see. When you see someone who is happy, you're wondering, why can't I be like them? Whereas you can mind your own business. You see something that is good. You see, what God is giving to them does not take away from what God will give you. So you do not have to be jealous about them. But there are some of us that once you see someone who is doing well, your anger, your elbow rises up. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest things that we have to get over. You can decide by yourself, I'm done. And stop dwelling on this thing because it will not do you any good. I want to pray with some people today. I don't care whether you are a minister or not. I don't care whether you are in the choir. You have something you have been battling with. Today is the last day of 2017. Come and leave it at the altar. Stand up on your feet and come here. Don't worry about anyone who is looking at you. This is a matter between you and God. This is a matter between you and God. It's a matter between you and God. Come close if you We hope you've been blessed by this message. For more information, contact Shamrock Community Church, 927 N. Plumgrove Road, Shamrock, Illinois. Or you can check us out on www.shamrock.org. Jesus is Lord.